All right. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's your boy, Emmy Emiliano here. Um, yeah, this is another episode of, of the show. This is just a new section of the show that I'm trying out. Um, in this section, uh, random chats. I want to do that. I want to chat randomly with some, some of my close friends, some people that I once interviewed and that have become close friends of mine. And yeah, in this, in this case, in this first episode of this section of this part of the show, I got to talk with my friend Nick Hutchison from Book Thinkers, who you might know because I post a lot of stuff with him. And yeah, so we talk a lot about like uh, traveling, being a digital nomad, uh, cultural differences, his experience in Colombia, and just some random cool things that you might like. And yeah, I hope you enjoy this episode. And if you like these, these conversations, then let me know. I, I enjoy hearing from you. And yeah, you know, I always appreciate uh, a reach out or a shout out, or if you can subscribe to the show or, you know, just engage in any way to let me know that you like this, this content and these things that we're making. And yeah, so enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. And well, so Nick, welcome again to the transformation journey. It's been, as I told you, almost two years since we first recorded an episode and many things have happened since then for you, for big thinkers, for me and in the world as well. And yeah, I would like you to, you know, just start sharing, like uh, maybe start sharing what has been uh, an experience or an adventure that you've loved from these uh, past two years that you want to that you want to share. Cool. Well, Emiliano, you know that I love talking to you, man. I, I think you're incredibly inspirational to me and I think you're incredibly smart and I just, I love our conversation. So yeah, when so you brought I. up this idea again, I was like, yeah, I'd love to jump on and chat with you. And so the last two years have been pretty crazy, but also pretty special. You know, I've learned a lot. Uh, Book Thinkers has grown a lot as a business. I've grown a lot as a digital nomad and mm -hmm. as just a human being. And so what was your question? It was uh, like, what's one experience that has that sticks out? Yeah, or one adventure or one one trip, for example. You you went to Colombia, right? How how was that? Yeah, I went to Colombia last year for three months with Rachel, and then Ryan jumped in for a little bit. My friend Joel jumped in for a little bit. My friend Tom visited for like a full month, so we had a really fun experience. Colombia is an amazing country, and I went last year, like I said, for three months, January, February, and March, and the weather was amazing. We did all these fun adventures, like we rode horses in the mountains of Medellin, and we went snorkeling in the waters outside of Cartagena, and everything in between. I also went to a fun little island called San Andres, which is mm -hmm. uh, in the Caribbean. That's a Colombian territory with uh, my friend Joseph and his girlfriend, Julie, so I brought tons of people down there and we had so many cool experiences and uh i love the food the culture the people studying spanish obviously i'm, mm -hmm. I'm still learning slowly estoy aprendiendo despacio <laughs> and uh yeah it was a it was a really cool experience and you know what this is the thing that people picture all the time and it's exactly what i love is waking up in the morning when i'm in south america and walking to a local <laughs> coffee shop and ordering like the best Colombian coffee ever. And then just cracking open a book and reading for two hours every morning. And that's the digital nomad lifestyle, right? Or open up my laptop and work from a coffee shop all day or a restaurant. And 
when I think about the four hour work week or vagabonding by Ralph Potts, which are two of my favorite books, those are the moments that stick out to me. Like I get emotional about it. I get excited. <laughs> I, I long for more of that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, um, Columbia, I was able to do that for like three straight months, 90 straight days. It was really cool. And then I remember that some months ago when we were actually re- recording an episode for the Book Talk Lounge uh, uh, about the four-hour work week, uh, well, we were sharing this experience of yours. Um, and you also like mentioned this, uh, your, like your take on and your perspective on living here in, well, uh, South America as, as an American. Um, and we talked about like the, the cultural differences, the, the economical differences and, and all of that. Um, but I, 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 I'm curious, like, what's your take or your perspective on, uh, like South America and, uh, like, yeah, living here instead of living in America in the, in the United States right now? Well, I think it's a great move. We talked a little bit about, uh, yeah, I remember we talked a little bit about earning in dollars. Mm-hmm. spending in pesos and then compensating your workforce in rupees, which is like, an, you know, the Indian currency. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, it's an amazing thing to be able to do just because of the differences in currency and how they're valued. You know, the U.S. dollar is a very strong currency, no matter where you go on planet Earth. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, if I earn $10 here, that might be two cups of coffee in the U.S. But if I earn $10 here, and I'm spending it while I'm in Colombia, that might be 10 cups of coffee. Mm -hmm. So it's a really big difference. If you can earn in dollars, and then as a digital nomad spend in countries where your dollar goes a lot further, you can live a better lifestyle with the same amount of money. So it's all relative. And uh, in terms of cultural differences and, and how to do it, I mean, I, you know, the United States is a huge country, just like Mm -hmm. Mexico is a huge country. And there are cultural differences depending on where you are in the U.S. But I think in general, what I've experienced as a U.S. citizen traveling in Central and South America is that everybody in Central and South America is just uh, happy to see us and, you know, very inviting and warm. And like in Colombia specifically, everybody greets you when they walk by you. They look for eye contact. They like to wave. They like to say hello and ask you how you're doing. Whereas in most parts of the U.S., when you're walking around, people try to avoid eye contact or they pull out their phone and they're looking at it. You know, it's less like present, less friendly <laughs> sometimes up here. So I love, I love when we're living in, in uh, Central and South America. Yeah. About that, uh, some like a month ago, I was running uh, at school. So, well, outside my school. And I, I was just like uh, greeting, uh, saying, saying hello to people, just, just cause. <laughs> um, what would you say would happen like in your city if you just went by running in the park uh saying hello to people that that you don't know saying good morning to them <laughs> yeah i think some people would would say hello back and probably be a little startled and then some people would be like what's wrong with that guy <laughs> mm-hmm. you know and it's funny and um and then speaking of <clears throat> speaking of travel rachel and i on june 10th so coming up here in just about two weeks We're leaving for about five weeks in Europe and we're doing a bunch of different countries. And so I haven't spent a lot of time in Europe, but I'm excited to see, you know, 
I've spent a lot of time in Central and South America, as well as the Caribbean islands, mm -hmm. but I haven't spent a lot of time in Europe yet. I've only visited two countries before. So we're doing six countries this time. And I can't wait to just see what the cultural differences are over there. Where are you going? So rough itinerary. I mean, it's all planned. It's just planned by Rachel and it's only uh. lightly in my head, but we're doing something like eight or nine days in Iceland. Then we're doing four days in Dublin, Ireland. Then we're doing, I think about 10 days in the Greek islands as well as Athens. Mm -hmm. Then we're going to Italy and we're splitting our time between Rome. I can't wait to like see the Marcus Aurelius statues and stuff in Rome. <laughs> and then we're going to, uh, I think like the South of Italy where Naples is. I don't even know if that's South, but we're going to Naples, Italy. Then we're going to Paris, France, and then we're going to London. So that's our trip. Nice. Yeah. About going to Europe. Um, as, as I told you, I'm, I will be there this summer and, uh, like I'm saving, uh, well, to have some cash to spend there. And it's it's like pretty fun and interesting to to see how like saving uh, 50 pesos here, uh, it's just like two euros. So, I mean, like for six uh, cups of coffee, I spent maybe ten dollars and that will be like uh, just two or three in in Europe. So that's something interesting as well, like to to see how the like the the coin changes depending on on where you are and, and as you said like it's it's relative how much you earn and how much you're able to spend depending on 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 where you are and actually that's something pretty interesting that i've learned about recently when i hear about like mexicans that go to the united states to earn in, in us dollars to then send the the money back uh to their families here in mexico and i mean when you do that or when like the families are earning in US dollars or are receiving uh, money in, in that coin, they, they are able to, to spend it well here. But I'm not sure like how how that life, lifestyle for the person working there looks like. Because I mean, they, they earn in US dollars, but they are also spending in US dollars. So, I mean. <laughs> yeah, it's probably tough. And, and that's why I try to practice <clears throat> gratitude and, and give thanks for the lifestyle that I have. And You know, I was born in the United States. I didn't choose that. So I'm very fortunate for that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, inside of the United States, it changes so much too. Like Rachel and I right now, we're talking about location, location, location. Like where you live in the United States matters a lot because I'm in the Boston, Massachusetts area, which is very expensive. Mm -hmm. But you go down to Florida or Texas and you might be able to buy a house that's literally for the same cost two to three times as big, two to three times as big for the same amount of money. And so it's relative within the United States as well. Massachusetts has a higher income tax on what you make individually. Florida and Texas have zero income tax. So there are some big differences you know, all over the planet. But I guess that's a good thing for everybody listening mm -hmm. to pay attention to. There's always going to be relativity. And if you choose to be in a country that has super high expenses and you're in a super high area, you're double dipping in the wrong direction. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's why we like to live in inexpensive areas. And when we're traveling, leverage currencies that the U.S. dollar weighs against in a really positive way. 
What do you think about being a digital nomad and using this type of leverage um, and uh, this Web3 uh, thing and the decentralized economy and using also NFTs and uh, cryptocurrency and this decentralized platforms? Oh, man, you probably know more than I do about Web3. <laughs> I have I still have a lot to learn. You know, I, I think it's exciting and I would love for everybody on, on this planet to wake up one day and be on an even playing field because there's some sort of centralized currency that everybody can buy into almost at the same rate. And uh, that would be a really cool thing, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I don't own any NFTs. I do own and invest in crypto a little bit, but uh, I just, you know, I still have so much to learn about what's coming next. It sounds kind of goofy. It's like, I know if I got into it today, I'd be better off tomorrow, but I'm sort of still living in, in today's economy. <laughs> yeah. Today's economy is still pretty, pretty centralized. And I mean, I, I haven't learned a lot about web three either, but from what I've learned and read and heard, like it's a, it's a pretty cool idea or, or vision to be able to have this digital decentralized platforms work for you um so that then you can uh maybe move to colombia if uh, uh if like stuff gets difficult in in the us or then just just to take a take a flight to europe and stay there in a in a hostel for uh i don't know one month or or, or so but i mean it's, it's it's kind of exciting and i i guess that it could uh be more effective or at least work better for more people like globally um than web 2 and like the the current technologies and, and platforms yeah yeah and relating it to digital like to being a digital nomad specifically i think even today like the lifestyle that i choose you know when people are asking oh you know like rachel and i went to a so we did a month in panama this mm -hmm. year and i remember we were at a casino i love playing blackjack whenever we have some extra time And we were at a casino and the guy next to me said, oh, how long are you here for? And I said, uh, about a month. What about you? And he's like, a month. How are you here for a month? I was like, oh, well, we, we just work remotely. He's like, how? You know, it's, it's still such a strange concept to some people who can only travel to certain places. Like he was from the U.S., Mm -hmm. you know, who can only travel internationally for a couple days at a time because they think it's super expensive and it's not sustainable. And they're used to working a nine to five job that's location dependent. And so, yeah, you're right. Web3 is going to create a ton of opportunities for people to work remotely all over the planet. And it will only continue to get more normalized. I, I think today it's still a little bit strange to be able to pack up and leave for six weeks or 12 mm -hmm. weeks and go live internationally in a place that you don't speak the language, but technology is advancing and uh, it's just allowing for, uh, for people who want to travel and who want to see different things, you know, it opens up the door for sure. And even my parents and Rachel's parents, like they'll still, you know, every once in a while make jokes about it or whatever <laughs> the case is. Cause it's just, when they were growing up, that wasn't realistic. If you wanted to travel and go live in Germany for a month, You'd have to go get a job in Germany as a bartender or mm -hmm. cleaning uh, hotel rooms or something, right? Because otherwise you couldn't afford to be there for a month. You needed to make money. Yeah. Yeah. So there wasn't this uh, 
digital economy that we have today that make that allows us to to be able to i mean uh, uh, live remotely like, like like you when when you want to and work remotely and uh, make contacts and connections like like this that that's also what i've been thinking about uh with the transformation journey like it's pretty as i told you that's like one of my main uh intentions with with, with this show to connect with people further um uh and people that i cannot connect with like uh physically because they do not live in mexico city or somewhere uh near where where i am and then what do you think about like this change uh with web 2 and web 3 and creating communities so you've created uh the book thinkers community in in web 2 using instagram mostly um but yeah what are your like your thoughts on how how things are changing and also like on maybe platform changes i know that you just uh, started also being active on tiktok like what what's your take on that well i think community i think like from a meta perspective i think communities are incredibly important you know i read a line six months ago on the back of a book that said dollars in bitcoin aren't the currencies that matter moving forward. It's attention. Attention is the currency that matters the most in the 21st century. And I think that as Web3 continues to develop, attention will continue to be more and more important. And so owning a community, running a community, managing a community, being the central spokesperson for a community will continue to become more and more important. You know, I remember last year walking around and somebody I was, I was talking to said, you know, imagine if like the physical country borders, let's just say between US and Mexico dissolved and disappeared, right? What's happening now is these communities are being built up in web two and web three on different platforms. And those are the borders mm -hmm. that matter. Like, do you like book thinkers more or do you like that community more? And so that's an interesting way to think about it. It's like, yeah, you want to be a first mover. You want to start developing communities on these different platforms because in the future, that'll matter even more than it matters today. You know, people used to laugh at, oh, you know, 20 people are in your Facebook group. Well, now if you've got 20,000 people in your Facebook group, that's your own economy. You mm -hmm. know, I'm, I'm wearing a sweatshirt from a conference that I just went to, mm -hmm. CYOE, it stands for Create Your Own Economy. Yeah, you want to have your own economy because it can provide a lifestyle that supports you and you can positively impact other people. So in terms of Web3 and community, I still have so much to learn. Mm -hmm. I, uh, you know, book thinkers will continue to grow and, and have communities in different places. And I'm not sure what that'll look like in the future, but I'm open to it. That's for sure. We've got a Discord now, which is new. We've also got TikTok, which is new. And I'm sure whatever the next thing is, will be on there. What do you think about like, uh, well, for example, you just started on TikTok. So you've got like, what, uh, 15,000 followers there? So Something you've got, like that, yeah. You've got 15,000 there and then like 130 something thousand on Instagram. What do you think about like the size of of communities and how how important that is because i mean there there might be people who haven't got uh, a very big community but they've got the right people in their community so they can create their own economy from just a group of maybe 10 or 20 people but then there are also this maybe much bigger influencers who have got uh millions of, fo of followers but who are not 
and monetizing what they do correctly because the the people in their community are just like watching what they're doing not necessarily getting involved so what's like your your perspective on that like on the size of the of the community yeah that that's a really good question and it's one that i think a lot i wish a lot of people thought more about so i don't think the size of the community matters I mean, I was at this conference last week and the host of the conference sold a mastermind. He sold 15 tickets at $7,000 a piece US. He did $105,000 in revenue in 10 minutes, right? Whoa. That's only 15 people in his community, but he did $100,000 in 10 minutes. Does the size of his community matter? Not really. He only needed 15 people, you know, but book thinkers has 130,000 people in it. And I haven't sold a hundred thousand dollars worth of services to the community, to authors. Yes. But like to the general community, you know, but I've got a hundred, you know, a thousand times as many people in there, tens, you know, 10,000 times as many people in there. So that was a really like aha moment for me. Now with TikTok, what's funny is I hired somebody to manage TikTok. So I've never posted on TikTok or anything like that for book thinkers. But, uh, and the guy that I hired for it, he's really great at building those communities, but he just doesn't have, you know, he didn't, he wasn't able to connect the dots of like how to monetize a community like that effectively. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people like to your point are in that space where a lot of young people understand how to get attention, how to create a video that has a really strong hook that draws somebody in that creates some type of emotion and that leaves them feeling like I want more of that. So they'll follow. And a lot of young people can build huge communities, but then like the real world side of it hits where you have to start a legal business entity. Mm -hmm. You have to start collecting money in exchange for services and close deals. Then you have to execute against them and keep it all organized. Then you have to follow up with your customers, make sure they're happy and ask for referrals and grow your business. And then you have to hire people to execute against what you've sold. And so that whole piece is really difficult for like the younger generation to figure out. And then for the older generation, it's like, how do I get that attention in the first place? You know, for me, I'm like two years ago, I was getting a thousand followers a week on Instagram. Now I, you know, even with a hundred thousand people in my community, I can't scrape together 10,000 views on a video. So it changes and you've got to adapt and, like for me, it was, okay, I recognize I'm not good at creating attention anymore. So I need to bring somebody into my community that is, and that person's not good at organizing and selling the business services behind the scenes. I am. So, you know, combine the two, but back to your original question, how big is, you know, how does it matter how big your community is? No, but I would encourage anybody out there that's young and has an audience and that's building to start learning those backend skills so that you can actually make money from your community. That's a, a really interesting point. I mean, me as a, as a teenager, I can see many of my friends uh, maybe creating some viral videos. I mean, the, uh, videos about, about like Harry Styles, for example, or some other topics, but they know how to go viral or at least how to create things that will uh, catch people's attention, but then um, they don't necessarily know, as you as you mentioned, like how to then uh, take those people to to another to another thing and then create something from that. And that, that's that's actually very interesting because then like synergizing and 
uh, creating this connections and maybe hiring people and everything actually helps you a lot. I, I, I have also been struggling lately with uh, like views and engagement on, on Instagram. And I mean, it's, it's just tough sometimes like to uh, be able to carry on and uh, push through these tough times, so to call them, um, in which, I mean, the socials of the Reader Lounge are not being successful. Uh, and then like this mindset again of, uh, not wanting my community to be that big necessarily, but wanting it to be like, uh, formed by the right people. Uh, it, it, it helps me a lot. Um, and that's also where I'm also getting into TikTok and Twitter and these other platforms. I mean, Instagram, well, being only on Instagram was, was great two years ago, but then times change and now we need we need other things we need to 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 be on other platforms and to to create more in in different things yeah we do and i love that you're being intentional about how specific you want your community to be and there's a lot of power in that and listen you're you're really young right you're not depending on your platforms to create a full-time income for you yet and so you've got time to figure it out but yeah, that, that is a piece of advice for your friends that know how to go viral is either pair up with somebody that knows how to create money from that or start taking steps in that direction and learn how to create money for it. Because remember, it's not dollars or Bitcoin that matter as the currency moving forward. It's attention. And if you can create attention in Web 2 or Web 3, like you're going to create a lot of money for yourself. You're going to create your own economy. And that's why for me, when I looked at you know, book thinkers for a long time, was selling packages to, to authors where they mm. could leverage our audience, right? But then the organic impressions per post started going down and the community started going down on Instagram. And so it's like, well, I can't continue to increase my prices and sell more mm -hmm. services if the platform itself is dying out a little bit. And so I read a book called $100 Million Offers by Alex Hormozzi. It's a really, really good book. And in that book, Alex says, you know, there's basically this value equation that you draw out and it has four variables. And one of the variables is what are some of the higher ticket services that you can offer to your target customer? Because he says 20% of your customers are probably willing to pay five times more than they currently are. So you can do the same amount of business, mm -hmm. but only work with 20% as many people. And I thought, what are some of the higher ticket services? Because I don't want to post on Instagram on behalf of authors anymore. Like, I don't want that to be the main thing that BookThinkers is doing. And so I listened and I, I had some discovery calls with authors and said, like, hey, what do you need help with in your business? And so now BookThinkers is offering a whole bunch of different services than I was during our last conversation. We're flying out and filming a ton of short form video content for authors editing those for TikTok and Instagram and whatever comes next, Facebook, YouTube shorts. Mm. And we're doing some PR. So we're booking authors on podcasts. We're even hosting podcasts now, helping authors start them, land guests, uh, edit the podcast, distribute them, things of that nature. And so none of those services would have come to be, which are literally five to 10 times as much as the other services were on a monthly or one-time basis. None of those would have come to be if Instagram didn't start to struggle and I didn't start to say, where should I go next, you know? So sometimes mm -hmm. 
the evolution of these platforms, even if it's somewhat negative, forces you to adapt and evolve. And the end result is really positive. So this month, last month, and the month prior to that, we had like three months in a row where we had record revenue for book thinkers. And uh, it all came because I was pulling my hair out like, what am I going to do? Instagram's dying. And then mm-hmm. boom, now I'm like, I'm happy that Instagram started to shift in that direction a little bit, you know? Yeah, the, the obstacle is the way. And this is a, a very clear example of that. The obstacle is the way. Yeah. Um, and so for you, you just said your platform is dying. Do you have any ideas? Not dying. That's an aggressive word. But organic engagement no, I mean, and views and stuff are going down. It, yeah. it kind of is. Um, well, since the early stage, well, not, not since the early stages, but I mean, since the first months of the existence of TRL, of the Reader Lounge, I... I have envisioned the making TRL much more than a, than a book blog. So like I've got I've got this idea of like creating physical reader lounges. <laughs> um, so like a, a mix between coffee shops and libraries and, and these things, um, and creating this ecosystem around books with uh, these coffee shop libraries and uh, other products and maybe even starting to publish books and and so on. But I mean, that's like the, the the big picture, my 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 vision for it. Um, but I mean, I cannot start with that right now because I have to start somewhere where where it's like viable to start. And right now, that's online, so it's what I'm doing. And that and that's when I started on Instagram and uh, with the book blog. And then last year in December, I, I was like, okay. Uh, I'm done with the book blog. I, I I don't like just being the book blog anymore. I I wanna start like being something else as as the reader launch. I wanna start adding value in different ways, and so I created this. Uh, well, I was reading Onward by Howard Schultz back then, and there he mentions that when Starbucks was in this very uh, bad stage and they were almost uh, going to disappear they created this transformation uh, agenda and so is that how you how you pronounce that word agenda 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 agenda, agenda. Oh, okay yeah. I, I mean yeah in, in Spanish we, we just say agenda so so it's just the same with agenda Ag- agenda agenda yeah agenda agenda yeah. agenda agenda okay <laughs> um, agenda. agenda yeah but but it means it uh, small small pause here. <laughs> it's it's fun because like an an agenda in Spanish is like a it's a it's a journal with dates and then you just write. I mean for if you have a meeting and you talk about the the agenda for the meeting, uh, you just say like the intention, la, la intención for for the meeting or or so. Mm-hmm. But, but but I mean that was a, a small pause. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I I read about this uh, transformation agenda that they created, and I inspired myself from there to create like this list of things that I wanted to transform inside TRL to start shifting, uh, the the brand into into something else. And so we we're in the process of of shifting, and so part of that was going beyond Instagram. So that was like the first step, right? Uh, going to TikTok and Twitter and these platforms. And that's also the, the stage in which we are right now, like uh, changing platforms or uh, being present in, in, in more than, than Instagram. Um, and this, it, it's tough as, as, as you mentioned, because Instagram is, well, the engagement is dying as well, or it's just, li- at least it's like not growing. Um, 
but yeah that that brought me to think about like okay i don't like uh making uh book promotions the business either because i mean i don't think it's very sustainable uh i don't think it's very scalable at least the way i did it and i don't really enjoy it um and so i was thinking okay how, how can i shift how can i um iterate to to change how how reader how the reader lounge uh, makes business and so like the main point right now it's it's to create like things for for the audience i'm working on creating this uh like challenges slash uh cohort based courses um in which i like try to synthesize a lot of a lot of information a lot of value from from books into like actionable things and uh, i mean with that i'm trying like to to create a sort of a funnel to bring people into like their the real value of the reader launch so that afterwards I can create this uh, other parts of the ecosystem and these libraries and coffee shops and, and these things so that people like become more involved in the in the in in the brand than than just uh watching uh a video or uh reading a, an article or a or a tweet storm. Um and you know that that's like my my idea on how I am trying to shift uh, where the reader launch is going, and especially with these challenges with Instagram. And th th this brings me to to an idea that I heard about yesterday when I was listening to uh, an interview to Jay Z. And so uh, through he he's been relevant for 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 a long time, and. Um, I was thinking that many people like Snoop Dogg and uh, Kanye and this these other uh, musicians uh, have also stayed uh, relevant over many years, like being themselves, uh, although they've changed as well. And that's what, what I think. What I have been thinking about. What I have been thinking about with like the Reader Lounge. So I have changed a lot as a person, and therefore the Reader Lounge has changed a lot. But I mean, I think that what's important again talking about the audience is that they stay like loyal to this essence and the essence is like what what like the main message the main value that i share what's uh what are your thoughts on that like how uh these changes through the journey uh change how people involve in in your life for example or also with with book thinkers no, it, it makes total sense. I saw that Jay-Z clip too. And it reminds me of Evan Carmichael's framework with Built to Serve, who, why, and how. The who and the why stays the same, but the how can change. Mm -hmm. And so for me, my who is progress. I'm motivated by progress. Why? Because I went through this huge transformation. I had a really big inflection point where I went from insecure <clears throat> and full of ego to focused on impact and generosity and fulfillment. And the how was through the Book Thinkers podcast and through Instagram for a long time, right? Mm -hmm. Now the how is changing a little bit because the end result is still the same. I want to connect people to books that can change their lives. I want to spread the positive power of personal development, right? Mm -hmm. But instead of doing that myself on social media, right now my business is enabling authors to do it more effectively themselves. Mm -hmm. The end result is that more people get connected to books that can change their lives, right? And so my journey is changing and I'm changing and I'm growing 
but uh, the essence is still the same. The who is still progress. The why is still connecting people with the right books that can change their lives because it happened to me, right? Evan says your purpose comes from your pain. Mm-hmm. But the how, you know, the how is going to continue to change. And for me too, you know, I've been working on a book for so long now, and I really just need to like sit down and focus on finishing it. But um, that's going to be a new how. I'm going to be the author that's connecting people or, or trying to connect people with my book that can change their lives, you know? So anyway, th- those are some of my thoughts on it. And you're right. Like it's, it's so hard to stay relevant. There are so many musicians. That's a really easy way to think about it. So many musicians that were relevant for such a short period of time. Mm-hmm. And especially in hip hop and rap, like it's almost impossible to stay relevant. You know, there's a Drake lyric that he said recently. He's like, I've been popping since T-Pain was popping bottles or something like that. And it's like, you know, T-Pain hasn't been relevant in 15 years, but Drake has been relevant since T-Pain was relevant. That's hard to do. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think a lot about, think a lot about those things, you know, (laughs) but as long as your essence is the same, you can create that loyalty or the affinity, the trust with your audience that they just want more of whatever you're involved in. Those are, those are raving fans, people that sing your praises, people that give you feedback and people that spend money with you. And uh, you just want to create as many of those as you can. Yeah, that, that's quite interesting. And there are two things that I, that I would like to unpack from here. So like the first one is uh, how do you become unattached to the how so that you can uh flow through the circumstances and, mm. and the depth and just so that i don't forget the second thing is like how do you personally think about success in in this sense so uh people like uh, jc or drake or kanye they've been relevant for a very long time and we could say that they are successful because of that but we could also say or maybe they think that they are successful because they have stayed uh, relevant to themselves for all this time and being relevant to others is a is a byproduct um so yeah what what, what are your thoughts on those two things on staying unattached to the how and on like uh defining success in this sense dude i wish i thought about things the way that you do <laughs> i'd be i'd be in such a different place today oh man you're a smart kid okay so the first question staying unattached to the how That's a tough one. I think most people in life, they never even really figure out the first two pieces, the who and the why. And so it's kind of rare to be able to flow through the how and to to keep your business focused on the same like internal essence or mission. And uh, what have I done to stay attached to the how? I think I've realized that I don't determine what's valuable. The world does. That's one of the beautiful things about capitalism is that it's not up to me what's valuable. Same thing with social media. If you post 10 videos and you really like two of them, but they perform the worst, then they're not valuable to the world. They're not valuable to the audience. It's the audience that gets to determine what's valuable in a capitalistic society. And all social medias follow that model too. Same thing with the services that BookThinkers provides. I don't get to determine what is valuable to the world, right? I just, my who is progress. My why is that books changed my life. But the how, that's not up to me. That's up to whatever the world wants it to be. And I think I had to lose a lot of ego 
which is probably step number one. I had to remove <laughs> a lot of that. Like I'm right. I know what's right. No, the world knows what's right. And I just need to listen. You know, they say that we all have two ears and one mouth and we should use them in that ratio. We should listen more than we speak. And it took me a while to find that space where I'm unattached to the how now. It could be anything. It could be working for Elon Musk building rockets if that's going <laughs> to connect people to the right books, right? Like I'm open to whatever it's going to be. And uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of us just need to go through that book, Built to Serve, really define the who and the why so that you understand what motivates you, what keeps you fulfilled and how you can best impact other people. And then just remove ego and listen and measure. You know that Peter Drucker line, if you're not measuring something, you can't manage improvement. You know, for the author promotions thing, you kind of, if you're measuring that, you know where it's at. And then if another opportunity opens itself up and you're open to receiving it, you're open to listening and you don't have too much ego to say, nah, it has to be author promotions. Then you can change and become flexible and adapt and then measure it and see if this new how is better than the old how and then change. So that was the first question. And your second question, what was your second question? About success, like refining or defining uh success in this in this sense like being relevant to others or being relevant to yourself and therefore yeah. having being relevant to others as a as a product you know there was a there's a quote that one of my mentors kevin horsley shared with me recently it was wallace it was a wallace d waddles quote he wrote the science of getting rich i think and he said success is getting what you want in life and i thought that was really interesting because if you want less success is a lot easier to achieve. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes, especially for somebody like Kanye, did you watch that documentary that came out a couple months ago? Uh, Genius or how is it called? I think it was. Yeah. I'll have to... I, I, I watched one episode with, with a friend who's a, a big fan of Kanye. <laughs> one thing that I realized is Kanye, like his, what determines success for Kanye is just him being himself, you know? He just wants the world to appreciate who he is and he's not willing to change himself for the world. And like that creates progress. And uh, so I think, yeah, Jay-Z and Kanye and Drake, you know, they have all been criticized. Well, at least I know Kanye and Drake have been like heavily criticized mm -hmm. socially for the way that they do things. Like people always thought Drake was soft. Right. And people think Kanye is a lunatic. So <laughs> but they've stayed to themselves and now the world adapts to themselves. Like Kanye is a multi-billionaire and Drake is the number one rapper in the world and has been for 10 years straight. So, you know, they sort of persisted even throughout the criticism and stayed true to who they are. And I think that, um, you know, they were probably pretty clear on what success meant to them because that helps you sort of avoid the noise and block it out. Hmm. but success is what you want in life is getting what you want in life. And if you want less, then it's easier to be successful. Like for me, what is a successful life? It's, it's probably feeding my five black sheep values. Shout out Brant Mensoir. And uh, that's easy to do. You know, it doesn't need to be more complicated than that. I'm happy. I'm fulfilled. I, if the only thing I wanted in life was $50 million, then I wouldn't be happy today, but 
that's a byproduct of like what you said, being who you are. And that relevancy just is a byproduct of like really leaning into that and communicating it openly. That's a very interesting description of success because I I was recently reading this book uh, called uh, Little History of Philosophy, I think it's uh, th that's its title. Um, and in a chapter, uh, the author talked about uh, Epicurus. Um, and so like one of the main ideas from Epicurus was that was to live sim uh, to live a simple life, to have uh, simple desires, to have good friends, and I don't remember what the third thing was, but I mean to live to have simple desires, because uh, that way you will be fulfilled in this sense, and that that's a very a very interesting uh, perspective on it. Because um, I mean, if you if you are thankful and grateful just uh, with uh, having the chance to wake up, then everything else is is a plus, and then you can be more happy. But then people, as you say, who will only be happy when they have $50 million dollars, won't be happy until until then, which is, it's something very interesting and hard to learn sometimes, I, I think. Yeah, I do too. I remember I was at a conference last year where the host of the conference said that happiness is subtractive. The more you can remove from your desires, the easier it is to be happy and successful. I think it's the same thing. You know, the less you want, like if, if all you wanted in life was your health, actually, this reminds me of a, something Peter Diamandis said during our interview a few months ago, he said, um, a happy person has a thousand dreams, but a sick person only has one, which is to be healthy again. Right. Oh yeah. Hmm. And so how can you like, how can you, how can you reduce how many dreams you have? so that they're easier to achieve and they still create fulfillment. Like I know with me, I, I want my friends and family to be healthy and I want to share as much as I can to help them achieve that. I know that I want to be healthy. I know that I want a lifestyle that creates flexibility and allows me and Rachel to travel and have fun and experience new things. I know that I want to positively impact other people by introducing them to books that can change their lives like they did for me. And that's about it. I mean, I'm living it right now. I'm already happy. I've already got those things. And so, I don't know. I Yeah, so many people want things that are just so difficult to achieve. And, and listen, I create positive stress in my life all the time trying to grow and and expand in different directions, but I'm not basing my success or my happiness on those outcomes. That's just to help experience more of what I'm already living, you know, I'm motivated by progress. I'm not dependent on it. There is this quote, uh, I don't know who, who said it or who wrote it, but it goes something like the, the man who likes walking more than the destination will walk further than the man who loves the the destination or something like that and it's it's it also has to do with this when you when you enjoy or when the point is like the 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 the, the same process and living your your black sheep with, with with your case for example then the other things are just a, a byproduct which is very very interesting and to start wrapping up uh what's what's next in in your life and for for book thinkers 
Yeah, Book Thinkers is, uh, I feel like we finally found a tipping point where we can provide tons of high ticket value to authors and I can start scaling those services and hiring more. And um, so I can't wait for our next conversation. Like Q2 was sort of like, all right, let's, let's exercise a bunch of these services, collect feedback, make improvements. I've still got one more month of doing that. And then Q3 is like, let's upgrade these services, sell a bunch more of them, you know, and then reflect again for Q4. So what's next for book thinkers? Like it's just going to grow. The team's going to get bigger and the number of people that we're going to help in terms of authors and readers is going to go up positively impact more people, help them make progress. My book is going to come out sometime later this year, which will be on how readers can retain and implement more information from the books they're reading and get more out of them. And so who knows beyond that? I'm not much of like a 12 month or 24 month or 36 month plan guy anymore. I'm just kind of like <laughs> the how will always change. You know what I mean? That's a really good way to put it. You, you articulated it that way. I'm happy that you did. Yeah, man. Well, thank you for coming. And yeah, this was pretty, pretty fun. As, as, as I told you, I haven't been podcasting as I would like to um, for many months. Um, and, and I enjoy a lot this, this conversations there. There's also this, uh, and I mean, just one, one last idea before letting you go. Yeah, um, of course. There is this uh, idea that I recently uh, read in the in the same book that I told you about. It's it's an idea by Aristotle, and it's it's called eudaimonia. And so it's basically I have it tattooed actually. Oh, for real? Oh. Yeah, I do. I have eudaimonia oh, tattooed nice. on my shoulder. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, so basically, podcasting is I, I feel like part of what uh makes me live uh eudaimonia like in a in in a, in a right way so to call it so it's like part of what makes me flourish in life and be fulfilled and feel, feel accomplished and yeah thank you for thank you for coming and allowing me to to leave this uh process again yeah man you're a really good interviewer and you're curious and and uh i think you should do more of what makes you happy like aristotle talks about the good life And uh, if this helps you experience the good life, the good life. do more of it. Yeah.